in my pocket. It's in my hand now. Um, when I let go of this apple, it has some options available to it. It can either shoot straight up in the air, or it can go straight out from me, or it can sort of loop the loop and twist all around, uh, or it could just fall to the ground. How many people think if I drop this apple, it's going to go straight up in the air? And I'll change jobs immediately. How many people think it's going to fall to the ground? Adults as well. How many people think if I drop this apple, it'll just fall to the ground? Right, Gordon, could you just put your head just about there? Just about. Now, what's going to happen to the apple if I let it go? going to bounce off Gordon's head, isn't it? Do you need me to show you that, or you just believe me? <laughs> Ali wants me to show him. Now, that, that would just be cruel. Gordon, thanks. Now, if I drop the apple, it falls straight down, or relatively straight down for our purposes. Why does it do that? Anyone, any young person want to have a, a go at telling me why? Why doesn't it? I mean, would it do that every time I drop it? What do you think? Every time I drop the apple, will it, will it not just once shoot straight up in the air? Or, or maybe take a circle and fly around the room and then come back and land in my hand? It, it's never going to do that. It's always going to fall straight down, isn't it? That's because there's a law that says it, it, that's what it does. I won't explain the law to you because I don't understand it. Um, either when Newton came up with it or when Einstein sort of developed it into all sorts of theories of relativity. I just don't understand that stuff. But I just know that when the apple falls, it always falls downward. And the point I'm making is that, that God, when he created the world, when he created the universe, uh, he put laws in place that if you do the same thing always, and scientists uh, research this, they look at it and say, why does it do that? And they try to figure out why it always does that. And so there are certain laws in place in nature that says that if you plant certain seeds, you grow that type of um, crop, fruit, berry, whatever. And so we're going to be thinking about that later on uh, from God's Word. And, and I've got four adult volunteers that I handpicked this morning. And they've got some young people to help them out. And during the service, they're going to be going off and doing some research um, to help me out with some of the points that I'm going to be making in my sermon later on. So uh, just remember, laws in the universe that say that certain things will always happen predictably. Um, we're going to lift up an offering of our talk is sowing and reaping. And it comes from that passage in Galatians that uh, Leah read for us. Got four points, and they're all associated with something to do with harvesting. Uh, not just from an agricultural or horticultural perspective, but what we can learn from the way that things grow naturally, and how the Apostle Paul takes that and feeds that into a spiritual uh, teaching for us and the connotations of how things happen w uh, according to spiritual laws as well as natural laws. So the first thing that I want to say from our reading is that you reap what you sow. You reap what you sow. A long time ago, the Apostle Paul wrote some very wise words to the group of uh, churches in the Roman province of Galatia. And uh, we'll put them up on the screen. We don't need to read them through again, but uh, Leah read these for us from Galatians 6. And Paul uh, there seems to be taking 
some principles or laws uh, from the natural way that food grows and lets people uh, that he's writing to see that it can be applied to aspects of the way that they're living their lives. So let's see if we can get the original idea first of all uh, and then try to understand what Paul is getting us to understand from it spiritually. You see, from the first day of creation until now, every species, herb, animal, grass, tree, uh, whatever, continues to produce after its kind. And this law or principle works in the same way no matter where you live in the world. Now, this can be a good thing. Um, I asked a group of intrepid horticulturists. I think Tim was leading that group. Tim, do you want to come up and, and tell us what your group have discovered? Do you take the group with you? Yeah, absolutely. First of all, you can tell the folks here what it was that I asked you to go away and do. Okay. And then you can tell us what you've discovered. Okay, we were asked to research uh, growing carrots. Um, what's the best way to do that? So my research team will help me out here. Uh, so first of all, Zara, what kind of soil is best for growing carrots? Um, sandy. Good. <laughs> Finely raked. And moist. That'll do. That's a good start. Yep. And uh, what time of year, Alice, is best for growing carrots? March to June. Excellent. Uh, is that right? Yep. <laughs> Connor, do they need any special attention? This is the tricky one. While they're growing. Uh, you have to water them. And if they get too clumped together, you have to thin them out by taking some of the smaller ones out. <laughs> talk to them. Yeah, talk to talk your to plants, them. that's correct. <laughs> okay. Uh, how long before the carrots are ready for harvesting? 20 to 22 days. Weeks. Weeks. <laughs> and finally, Kieran, uh, what kind of vitamins do we get from carrots? A and C. Again? A and C. Good lad. Is that okay? That's great. You've done some good research there. So if you have any difficulty with your carrots next year, just call on Tim and his team there and they'll be able to come and help you out. Thanks, guys. Well done. So this principle of you, um, you reap what you sow uh, is a good thing. If you want carrots, uh, you, well, we just go down the supermarket or the greengrocers. Uh, but if you want to grow your carrots, then you've just heard about how you need to do that. So that principle... It's a good thing, but it can also be a bad thing. You see, what if I didn't have any carrot seed, but I still wanted carrots? Desperately wanted carrots, but all I had was Brussels sprout seeds. Now, you see, I could be really determined about this, couldn't I? And I could sow the Brussels sprout seeds and just hope for carrots. Really hope for carrots. Do you think it would work? But what have I got the church to really pray? <laughs> and, and, and we just need faith. It wouldn't work either, would it? You see, God has set natural laws in place that you reap what you sow. So guess what, kids? If I sow Brussels sprouts, what am I going to reap? Disgruntled children at Christmas time. <laughs> now, I'm going to get Brussels sprouts, aren't I? Because there's a natural law at work. So, so let's think about this in terms of bringing that into a spiritual way, because the Apostle Paul says, and we read it earlier on, the one who sows to please his sinful nature 
will from that nature reap destruction. But the one who sows to please the Holy Spirit, from the Holy Spirit will, lead, will reap eternal life. So if I sow Brussels sprouts, will I harvest carrots? No. So two other questions just to apply this to our lives. If I live to please myself, will I get the eternal life that the Bible speaks about? No. If I live a really, really good life and do whatever I want and hope that one day God will give me salvation and eternity in heaven with him, Will I get that? No. But here's a really good side of that flip side bad thing, if you like. Because what if I live to please God, and I commit my life to Jesus, and I live according to the way that the Spirit leads me, will I reap destruction? No. Because you reap what you sow. And if I trust Jesus, and if I follow him, then no matter how much I might feel that I deserve to be condemned, I won't be. Because you reap what you sow. So it can be a good thing, but it can be a bad thing. And it can be a good thing again. Uh, the second point that we have is that you reap more than you sow. Um, now, I asked group two. Who's in charge of group two? Oh, it's Stuart. Okay. Bring your group up with you. Um, what I asked them to do was to go away and discover something about apples. So here's our apple farmer. Well, we had, so we had three apples. We had to get my intrepid volunteers, the other ones I picked, to cut them up and count the number of seeds. So in Kira's apple, she had is how many seeds? Four. Five. Two. So in total, we had... Eleven. There we go. Ah. Did you not have one? I did have, no, I just did it. It was, it was three people. I was the adult to cut them open. Oh, right, okay. <laughs> a literalist. Yeah. So, and then I had to make an average, so I, I averaged it up to four. You averaged apple. it up to four. So there are four seeds in an apple. Yeah. yeah. When I was a child, there was much more seeds in apples. The, right. Somebody's bred them out of them. Okay, that's okay. Right. So there are four seeds in an apple. How about how many apples are there in a seed? One? No. If you plant one seed, how many apples do you think you would get? Two. Two? Two? Four. Four. Let's ask the adult. I wasn't listening, so... How Four. many? Four. <laughs> I was... I'm how many apples in a seed? Not how many seeds in an apple. How many apples in a seed? No. Yes. One. No, no, no. Shall we help? They're getting confused here. It's, it's, it, 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 okay. It's not, <laughs> it's not on the answer sheet. Let's, let's put up that picture. Um, does anyone know of a guy called um, John Chapman? There's a picture of John Chapman. Anybody heard of John Chapman? You'll, bet, you'll know him better. Oh, wait a minute. Here's somebody down here who knows who John Chapman is. Johnny Appleseed. Yeah, okay, thanks guys. I'll, I'll, I'll let you go back thanks to your seats so now. Good job. Well done. Um, Johnny Appleseed, uh, although his theology is completely dodgy, by the way, um, he used to travel around America, or big swathes of America, uh, and he would plant 
apple seedlings. So he'd plant apple seeds. Uh, and from the seedlings, uh, he would allow other farmers to take care of the trees. So from one tiny little apple seed, you can grow a full-grown apple tree. So the question is, how many apples in a seed? Well, year after year after year, one apple tree can produce hundreds of apples. And some people believe that, uh, that John Chapman's trees are the forerunners of a lot of trees that still year after year produce apples in the states of Ohio, Indiana, and Illinois. So we can ask certain questions about certain types of foods. How about a potato? Anybody uh, ever grown potatoes? Yeah, a few people. John, how many potatoes are there in a potato? Lots. Lots. Absolutely. Do you know that actually the, the tiny little eye or shoot on a potato, um, you don't need a whole potato to grow more potatoes. You just need that one little shoot from which you can grow many more potatoes. So here's a difficult question for us. Let's imagine that I have a huge field. And for the interest of this experiment, I'm going to call it my potato field. So I've got this huge potato field, and next year I want to harvest lots and lots of potatoes. Only thing is, I never get around to digging or plowing the field over, and I don't plant any seed potatoes. So how many potatoes do you think my field will produce? I don't dig it over, don't plow it, don't put any potatoes in it, but it's called my potato field. So how many potatoes is it going to produce? None. You've disappointed me. Because I really wanted potatoes next year. Jesus uh, told a parable one time that helps illustrate that. He said that imagine a farmer goes out to sow seed. And he's throwing the seed all out over the place. And it lands on different types of soil. Now, the, the, the principle is not that we look at the different types of soil. Look at the last part of that. Uh, he says that some of it fell on good ground where it produced a crop 60, sorry, 160 or 30 times what was sown. And so the principle of you reaping more than you sow is right there in the teaching of Jesus. So here's the thing. I want to plant potatoes. I plant one potato and one potato grows into lots more potatoes. And that got me thinking about how we as a church... Uh, exist for the proclamation of the gospel, of broadcasting the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news that, that God uh, has done something about the sin of every man and woman, and he's willing, through what he did in Jesus Christ, to forgive their sin and give them new life in the Spirit and guarantee them eternal life with him when they die. That's an amazing story, isn't it? It's great good news. And, and Charlotte Chapel exists for the proclamation of the giving out of that good news to lots of people who have never heard it. So it got me thinking. I wonder how many people uh, heard that good news and put their trust in Jesus through the various ministries that we conduct week after week after week after week in Charlotte Chapel. And we don't have figures for it. For some reason, we don't record that. I, I don't know whether it's for theological reasons or... Uh, because we can't count or whatever, I'm not sure. But we don't actually have official figures for that. So then I start to think about who had got saved during this last year, people that are known to me in the various uh, children and youth groups, Christianity Explored, men, women's ministry, through Sunday services. And I reckon it's somewhere upwards of 20. 
And that's great, isn't it? 20 people who didn't know Jesus came to know him last year through the work um, that we do here at this church. And that's great. But the question is, uh, is, it, is it a high enough number? And some of you are going to go, oh, no, well, you can't go into the realms of that. It's not for you, dear. That's the sovereign purpose of God. Yeah, okay. Well, I did the maths, and on the basis of the number of members that we have alone, it, it works out that you need about 30 Christians to make another Christian. So here I have a bag of potatoes with about 30 potatoes in it. Now, imagine I take all of that to my potato field, and... and I, I put them in the soil in accordance with potato planting science. Would I expect to get one potato back from it? Would I? I, I, you, I, know, I know you know the next question. That's why you're reluctant to answer. <laughs> but that doesn't make a whole lot of sense, does it? Certainly not to a simple country boy. So... Yeah, you know the next question. Are we really as productive as God wants us to be? As we could be? I mean, for instance, how reasonable is it to think that God could, through our collective witness and ministries, increase that number from 20 to 25, 50, 100, in the next year. What expectations do we have that the gospel message going out will reproduce itself many times greater than the seed that's sown? Here's a question for you. How many people do you think it's reasonable for another Christian to reproduce spiritually in their lifetime? Do you think that you as a Christian, sowing the good seed of God's word, can lead 50 people to Jesus? It's about one a year-ish, um, given that you've got childhood and maybe a little bit of senility at the end of it. But there's a working part there that, that one a year, is that, is that too many? Well, how about half that? 25 then. How about one? Or Christian, are you quite content to be completely unproductive? To use all of what you know as a Christian, never to sow it, never to give it out, never to reproduce yourself. You see, this um, can be a good thing, but it can also be a bad thing. There's a downside to this teaching that you produce more than you sow. Um, an example might be, think of the negativity of telling lies or talking about somebody in a negative way. Uh, you just speak one little word, and the Bible says that one little word is like a little spark that gets a forest fire going. Or that one little lie is like a whole chain of events that gets gossiped outwardly that can actually destroy a person's life. You reap more than you sow. What about the drugs that you took in adolescence? That will catch up with you as you grow older. What about the things you read just now? Maybe in your adolescence, you've, you're able to control that stuff that you watch late at night on the telly or you read in the magazine or you download from the internet. Uh, that will catch up with you. Because God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows and he reaps more than he sows. 
positively and negatively. Right, there was a third group. Um, what did I give the third group to do? Who is, who is the third group? Okay, Joe, do you want to come up with your, with your helpers and uh, tell us what it is that you were asked to go and do? Okay, tell us who this is that you've got with you. Who's this? Jennifer. It's Jennifer. David. David. Cameron. Did everybody hear that? Cameron. Cameron. And Joe's going to lead him. Okay, what did I give you guys to do? Uh, we were to go and have a look at uh, tins and packets of food and discover their country of origin. Um, so we've brought four examples up to show you this morning. Good. And uh, David's going to tell us about the first one. What's... Uh, this is some spaghetti, and um, it comes from Italy. Um. <laughs> uh, this is corned beef, and it was made in the UK. Where, where's the country of origin? It doesn't say. It's on the bottom. Oh, Brazil. This is some juice and it's from South Africa. What sort of juice is it? A mango. And I've got some Turkish delight. <laughs> from Turkey. <laughs> okay, thank you. Right, okay, well done. You can go back to your seats now. Uh, and the th see, the third point is that we also reap what others have sown. Um, so can I ask you, how many people have had regularly this, last, this past week the, week, the week gone, how many of you regularly have your five a day? Okay, well done. You know what the five a day is? That's encouraging to start with. Um, how many who had regularly five fruit or veg in this last week grew any of it themselves? Oh, Tommy did. What did you grow, Tommy? Onions. He grew his onions. Tomatoes? Raspberries, okay. Uh, so you reap what you sowed, but all the rest of us ate something this last week, yes? And hopefully in the fruit and veg department. But we didn't grow it. Somebody else actually grew it. So we harvested what someone else had sown. And uh, let's put up that verse there from John 4, David. Jesus says... Do not say four months more and then the harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They're ripe for harvest. Even now the reaper draws his wages. Even now he harvests the crop for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows, another reaps, is true. I send you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. Again, this can be a good thing. Um, as we've seen that, that some people have, including myself, have been able to eat the produce that somebody else uh, went all the hard work of sowing. But it can also be a bad thing. Let's put up that verse from Exodus, a couple of verses from Exodus. Uh, particularly that last part. I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the fathers to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me. Um, Reaping what others have sown can be a bad thing. The connotations for our health is that if you smoke while you're pregnant, it will affect the unborn child. If you're an alcoholic, your children are, are susceptibly more likely to become 
alcohol dependent in their lives. And so on and so on and so on. But spiritually as well, we can reap what others have sown. Some of us had parents that were involved in secret societies. Uh, the horsemen, the masons, things like that. And there's a spiritual connotation for the next generation that in the power of Jesus we need to repent of and see broken. Because we can reap the sins of our fathers. Uh, I do a little bit of counseling with people and invariably when somebody's uh, finding difficulty in their life, we'll ask how they're feeling, we'll go through the issues that they're dealing with. Invariably, they're linked back to things that happened to them in childhood, the way they were raised, the cultures they were brought up in. We can reap negatively what others sow in our lives, but we can also reap positively. So there's a fourth thing. Um, we won't expand that any further. We'll go straight on to the last point, which is you reap some time after you sow. Now I asked the fourth group. I think it was Luke was in charge of this one. He's going to come up and tell us what they were given to do. And then I'm going to ask them some questions about it. Okay, welcome, guys. Okay, I'll swap places with you. Yeah, okay, because we'll get entangled if not. There you go. Right, tell me, um, tell us what I asked you to do first of all. Uh, we were charged with um, planting some cress seeds. Some cress seeds. Yeah. Excellent. Who likes cress? Yeah. What about cress with your salad or on your cheese roll? Excellent. Um, so you planted cress seed? Uh, it's right there, yeah. Yeah, did. and you did it according to the instructions? Yep, yeah, Daniel's got them there. You followed it to the letter. So what do you expect to grow? Uh, cress. You do? <laughs> I, no, it's a perfectly legitimate question. Um, how much do you expect to grow? Well, there was 10,000 seeds, so... There was 10,000 seeds? Yeah. So you expect to grow much more than you've sown? Well, 10,000 cress. Seeds. Cress. Cresses. Yeah. Cress. Cress eye. Yeah. Someone will correct us on the way out. That was absolutely no doubt. Um, now, I believe it's a very fast-growing species. Yes, it is. It is. Yeah. Can I have some then? Oh, no. It's not ready yet. It, oh. But it's fast-growing. Yes. I, I want cress now. <laughs> I mean, I even said on it, um, it's very fast growing, so keep an eye out for shoots coming through as Rodney does his talk. <laughs> I did say that did in the instructions, that. but it's not ready yet. No. So I'm going to have to wait. Yeah, yeah okay, well. Um, do you expect anything else to grow in that other than cress? No. <laughs> because you only planted cress. Right. Thanks, guys. Well done. Now, the point is that not only you reap what you sow, but you reap some time after you sow. And, and that was the fastest growing thing I could get my hands on. And can I say Dobby's? That's not, that's not advertising anything, is it? I went to Mayshed, but they didn't have it. So I've, I've kind of balanced the two there. Oh, no, I've just promoted the one over there. Anyway, um, I wanted Cress, the fastest growing thing, and it's still not ready. So I'm still going to have to wait. And the point is that uh, James also says, Be patient then, brothers, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop and how patient he is for the autumn and spring rains. You too, be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. And then Gordon read that from Genesis 8 for us. As long as the earth endures, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night will never cease. That law 
that you harvest sometime after you've sown, that can be a bad thing. I've reversed it this time. Someone once said, too many believers are sowing wild oats through the week and then going to church on Sunday and praying for a crop failure. Now, the reality is, whatever, however you live your life, you will reap harvest from it in due course. But that can be a good thing. You see, today, you can take the seed of God's Word and sow some of that in the life of someone else, and many of hundreds, maybe even thousands of people can actually be affected by it. And if in due time... If the conditions are right and God is at work by his sovereign grace and his powerful Holy Spirit, then our activity can play a part in a new life. We can see someone come to faith in Jesus, becoming a new creation and blossoming forth as someone who follows God and obeys him. And I've got another question, full of questions today, maybe a few answers. How old must you be in order to start sowing that seed? 25, 15, much, much younger. I don't know how young you can actually be to say something. Well, I've seen people who are not at school yet say some profound things. Uh, I was doing a children's talk one time, and I said to the children, why did God give us the Ten Commandments? And this little girl, she was about three or four at the time. She put her hand on the She won't know, but I'll ask, uh, rather than offend her parents. I said, I'll ask, and, and, and she said, God gave us the Ten Commandments so that we wouldn't hurt each other. Whew. I'd read lots of commentaries, and nothing as profound as that. Out of the mouths of babes and infants, he has ordained praise because of the enemy and the avenger. My daughter, who's here today, I'll embarrass her. She was six years old in the playground when she shared the gospel of Jesus with another young girl, and that young girl trusted Jesus as her saviour. You can be quite young when you start doing this stuff. Uh, and since then, Judith shared that message with lots and lots of other people. Uh, one person was in her, in her high school with her. Uh, that girl is now a Christian, married to a Christian guy, and they're both involved in Christian ministry and sharing the good news of Jesus with lots and lots of other people. Who knows the profound effect that even the youngest of us, taking the seed of God's word, broadcasting it into the lives of others, will have if we're willing to wait for the harvest to come through. So in conclusion then, God cannot be mocked. A person who believes that uh, you can sow one thing and yet reap another, well, that's self-deception and it attempts to mock God. Can't be done. God cannot be mocked. That is, you cannot mock God without reaping the consequences. So I think the challenge for us as individuals is fairly clear, isn't it? What's the application of this? What harvest can I expect? In a natural sense, for the way that I'm behaving and living just now, whether that's substance abuse, habits, the way I speak about people, the way I live my life, whatever. But also as a church, what expectation do we have that God will produce harvest through our ministries collectively? We're going to stand and sing together.